We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 162. Today on the podcast, we've got a little bit of a different setup for you. Scott will not be joining me on the podcast because he's going to be a new dad. He is having the baby today. He texted me Wednesday afternoon, just as the Yankees were heading into that rain delay, saying, guess what? My wife is going into labor. I'm not going to be able to do the podcast tonight. Obviously, I was super angry with him and said, how could this be? But... I had to go out and find a new co-host, um, and that's what I did. So first part of this podcast, I'm going to be talking to Barstool JJ. He's been on the podcast before. You guys have heard him. Um, we did about 25 minutes with him. And then in the second half, we do a stats breakdown with the podcast intern, Dom Musilio, who you guys have been following on Twitter as he tweets out a bunch of awesome stats. Scott, I know, has a million things going on right now, so it's totally understandable that he was not able to do the podcast today. Um, and he probably didn't care that the Yankees were in a rain delay and losing to the woeful Detroit Tigers, but the rest of us do. So that's what we're going to get into today with the podcast, and Scott will be back on Monday's episode as a proud new papa. Before we get into the actual podcast, though, I just want to take a minute to remind everybody, please rate and review the podcast in iTunes. It really helps us out. As we've been saying, we're way over 300 reviews at this point. It's awesome to see. We appreciate everybody who listens. And the way you can show that you're listening is go give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It will help us uh, get new listeners. It will help us get better guests and the whole nine yards. So again, go rate us in iTunes and enjoy this episode of the podcast. Joining me on the podcast now is Barstool JJ. You've heard him on the podcast a number of times. JJ, what's up? Not too much. Have you guys ever uh, had a live walk-off? No, and this is a perfect time to have that. Obviously, the 45-hour rain delay. A lot of rain delay hot takes out there today. But yeah. we are, we're watching in the bottom of the eighth with DD at bat right now during this podcast. Yeah, no, um, I, I think it would be fitting that... Since the last time I was on, Scott was in like Asia eating weird food, like food that was still moving, and he survived that. That um, 
based, you know, that today he would miss the first ever live walk off on the podcast. It's I can't believe he could not put his baby on hold for the podcast. Put a cork in it, Scott. Come on. <laughs> well, I think the baby just wanted to get out there because it heard uh, that the Yankees traded for Sonny Gray and needed to see its first start tomorrow. Very excited for that. Yeah. What uh, Scott and I already gave our, our opinions on the whole grade trade. We, we loved it. What, what are you thinking? I think it uh, it was a great job. So I said, uh, you know, about two and a half years ago, I wrote a bunch of stuff, and I think I've even said it at times on here. When the Yankees re-signed Girardi and Cashman, like no one wanted that job because, like, who wants to take over that that shitty team? You know, you you've got overplay like you've got overpaid salaries, and so essentially Cashman had three years to like sort this out, and he really has. We gave up. Dustin Fowler, who's had a good minor league career, but wasn't like a, a can't miss, oh my God, we've got to have him. He wasn't a Gary Sanchez hype or a Gliber Torres. Um, so losing him while he's got a blown out knee, and I think he's still going to come back and have a career, and he'll actually probably get to start next year in the majors rather than re-earn it in the minors next year. He's pretty blocked in New York, so that's great. Uh, Caberlin, like we're, you know, dealing with a guy who's been really injured and who knows if he's ever going to find his, his place. So there's huge upside, but right now not a ton of value. And then Mateo was not only blocked, but he had attitude problems. So I think to give them up to get a guy who's young, controllable for, you know, two and a half years and who's been pitching well. Now, obviously when you get to New York, who knows what it's going to be. But I think it was a smart trade for right now because you can't be in first place, which we were at the time, and just say, well, we're not going to make a move here. We're not going to try to fix our biggest problem. The I think all fans were on the same page. As long as Clint Frazier and Gleyber Torres stay in pinstripes, we don't care. We don't want to give up all the rest of our prospects. But Cashman didn't do that, and we knew Cashman wasn't going to do that. He made a smart trade. He's been a ninja with, with trading. He still has problems signing free agents, namely guys like Jacoby Ellsbury. But for a guy like Billy Bean, who's supposedly the best GM out there, I feel like Cashman has, has gotten the better of him and a number of different GMs around the league. I mean, I think for Billy Bean, this deal makes sense because he's a big, like, you know, upside guy. Like, his whole thing has been finding guys with, like, tremendous upside and having them realize it because he saw some weird thing or Jonah Hill whispered something in his ear that we didn't see. Um, so, you know, I, I think it still is, like, a good trade for them, uh, mostly because they weren't going to get what they wanted. You know, they wanted a Clint Frazier, Gleyber Torres out of us. Who knows what else they were asking for out of other teams. And when it came down to it, you know, they said, we want to make this move on Gray now rather than risk, like, something happening. And, and it's at its highest, and this is what we can get. And let's take the upside. And if two of those three guys end up contributing in the major leagues in some form or fashion, it's a good trade for them. I was thinking about this trade today. And Sonny Gray, while he's probably not an ace, he is the biggest midseason acquisition the Yankees have had as far as pitchers go since 95 when they traded for David Cohn. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's it's not a big deal. Come in. Yeah, he's not going to come in and be that, um, you know, what David Price did for Toronto recently or, you know, what we saw in the past, like Randy Johnson do for Houston. Uh, but in uh, two years or so, like he could be a great number two, like a one two combo with like us going out and getting a, a front line ace. And with what Severino's done this year, plus you got Montgomery, who looks like he can at least be a serviceable major league pitcher, that's a three young guys that are controlled. So Cashman's done a lot of work in just a year's time because we had you on this podcast right after the season ended. Yankees were in full rebuild mode. It took them 12 months. And now Dude, I love rebuilding. Rebuilding's so much fun. I get why everyone is a Mets fan. I'd sign up for rebuilding all the time. This is a blast. Yeah, I think the Royals were in rebuild mode for like 26 years, but uh, it took the Yankees 12 months. And while they're not the favorites, I think they do have a legitimate World Series shot this year. Yeah, because so one thing today, I've been kind of like battling people online. Like people want um, Holiday gone. And I can get sitting him, but like who do you put in in that place? He's been too good for too long to like – just quit quit on him now. Like, he could turn it around. But he's close to the end of that rope. 
and people are like, oh, you got to bring up uh, Agilar. You got to, you know, you got to make all these moves. Just bring him up. And I think what the Yankees did last year to get back in the race and what they've done at times this year is because it's not a complete team yet, they get these like bursts of you call a guy up. Like they just called up Frick Clint. Clint has like has contributed. Now that slows down at a certain point. Judge did the same thing last year. It was Sanchez. So now if you wait and you can stay, you know, a half game up in first, a half game down, right in there, and then if things don't turn around for a holiday or someone gets injured, you have that shot in the arm to bring up that's been playing every day rather than just rotating days off for guys and, you know, he's sitting three of, se- you know, seven days. Holiday is in a, in a huge slump right now, and yeah. I think he's having an effect on Judge in the sense that he was protecting Judge for the entire first half. Holiday was the veteran hitter behind Judge that teams had to respect. And right now, especially with Starling Castro also on the DL, Gary Sanchez has never really... He had like a couple-week burst where he was the Gary Sanchez from August of last year. But he, he's been solid, but he hasn't been like the megastar that he was at all at any point this year. And now we're seeing Judge getting pitched differently. I hate people that say the home run derby ruined him because I think that's horseshit. But he's the reality is he's swinging at pitches in the dirt like he was at the end of last year. Yeah, I mean, I think the the book's out on him a bit more. And he doesn't have, this whole second half, he hasn't had really any protection. So he's struggling too. And you can't just blame everyone else for why he's struggling. But he's, they're, you know, they're throwing, you know, better pitches to him because it's clear that he'll swing over the top of it. And who knows? Maybe he gets some protection. You know, Stalin Cash is going to come back to be a cleanup batting second baseman for us and you know maybe that's the spark or maybe he ends up you know one day you turn on the game and as Michael Case talking before the game he says oh and you see here's some video of Aaron Judge out there early on the field or he's been in the cages early making an adjustment and then he turns it around he's still a young guy there's going to be those holes in his swing in his game so you know you just got to figure you know he's made it this far uh, with the right coaching and with someone behind him and, you know, Castro getting back in the lineup could be that guy. It could turn things around for him. He, I know everyone says he's the most down-to-earth guy and he takes everything one stride at a time, all the cliches you want to hear about. But he became the biggest star in baseball in a matter of three months. That has to mess with your head. It would mess with anybody's head. Now, I don't think that's the only reason he's slumping, but I feel like after the All-Star break, he was so popular. He got the judges' chambers, all that crap. I just feel like eventually that does catch up to a kid like that. Yeah, I mean, it's got him. He's the biggest baseball player in the biggest city in the world. It's a, yeah, and he stole the All-Star game. He stole All-Star week from Giancarlo Stanton in Miami. Yeah. And not only that, but like it's the it that's the dead time of sports. He was the biggest athlete at, that was active at that time. You know, yeah, you're getting some NBA offseason stuff, but every night leading off Sports Center, what did Aaron Judge do? And it's not even Sports Center. I mean, you had non sports outlets covering Aaron Judge that week. So Yeah. I mean it's it was like sweeping the nation. <laughs> Now, Gra- like grandmas love them. Like it's the kind of thing where like when you casually call home to talk to your mom and you would never talk about baseball, she'll be like, that Aaron Judge guy, like that's what he reached. My mom knows who he is. Right. Once once you reach uh, mom status, then uh, then you know you've made it. Um, yeah. How are you worried at all about him? I mean, long term, like for a career, I don't see how, you know, he's had knee problems in the past. I don't see how a body that big holds up, you know. It's like, you know, when you when you have a, a guy who's huge at any level, you know, Yao Ming in basketball, Andre the Giant in wrestling, like these guys, physically, that's just a lot more size to carry. Um, and to be out there running around all the time, running into walls, I could see him going through a position change to extend his career. In the short term, I'm not worried. But I also don't, you know, I think realistically, I've always said he's you know, not going to end up being the next A-Rod or, like, greatest player of all time because I think his body will give up on him at some point. Um, But, I I mean, he's still, if the season ended right now, he'd still be the MVP and Rookie of the Year. So you just, you know, hope 
he can, you know, find something. Uh, and I think young guys like him have to reinvent themselves at some point during their first season. I think we've we've seen at this point Gary Sanchez is basically having like he's basically played a full year now, and people caught up to him. He had to you know kind of reinvent himself a little bit to get on the board. He's figuring it out as time goes on, and Judge is in that same thing. And I just realized how long winded that was. <laughs> Uh, it's just, yeah. I mean, he's it, the slump is so exaggerated. That's the thing. It's just it's been on. It's going on pretty much since the second half. He's had a couple of spots where I thought he was getting out of it, like when he almost hit it out of Safeco Field, and he's had a couple of games where he's looked good, but then he reverts and his average is down to around three hundred now. The, the reality was he's he's not a three thirty hitter, so it was going to come down. And and because there's a lot of fans that came back to the Yankees. I think uh, during this last few months, and they just thought Aaron Judge was God. That I mean, some people are just you know you've got you've got your hot take police out there. Um, the Yankees' offense, though, is is kind of been up and down. It's like Monday they can go out and they can hit Fulmer, who was Rookie of the Year last year, and then they go and struggle Tuesday and today and barely can touch Sanchez and Zimmerman, and both those guys have ERAs over five. So it's one of those things where the inconsistency. Is uh, is becoming an issue, I think, with this team that they need. They're missing their guys. They're missing Castro and Aaron Hicks at this point. Yeah, I think with like Zimmerman is I forget what number, but they've just totally struggled against guys that they they really don't see. And with Zimmerman spending so much of his time in the NL, guys they don't that they haven't seen a lot. They've really struggled with this year. Um, and I know today was like Zimmerman's first start, first game ever in Yankee Stadium. So it's um. It goes in waves, and you just kind of hope they keep it close enough that, like, when they hit the wave at the right time, we're headed into the postseason and, and, and through the postseason. Um, but, yeah, without those two guys out, you know, without those two guys out there playing and much more Castro than Hicks at this point, um, it just throws off the rhythm, you know. It throws off, like, the energy of, you know, e- even if they're in the dugout, it's not the same as like seeing Castro on base, you know, seeing him score and letting that like, you know, feed you up because he's a high energy guy. We all love our Ronald Torres and our Tyler Wades, but the reality is they're just not Starling Castro. Yeah, like I at the beginning of the season was a huge Torres guy just because like he hit a home run. It was funny. This is great. He gets lifted up for a high five. But like I like him getting lifted up for uh, a high five. Uh, not up with the game on the line. <laughs> Although, he does have a couple of hits in big spots this year. He'll even throw his bat at the ball to stay alive. Yeah. But, he's, like... He's a fun... He's one of those... Yeah, and I think the first couple weeks, there was just so many pictures of him and Judge. It got a little annoying. Yeah. You know, he's sneaky. Like, I, not a lot of people realize that. He's sneaky went wire to wire in the majors last year. He didn't get sent down once. He... He's everyone expects him. First of all, he kind of looks older as far as his face goes, but he's I think he's only like 23 or 24 years old. And everyone ex- expects him to just stink because he's tiny, but he sticks around. I mean, he can play multiple multiple positions. He's a he's a guy that Girardi I know loves. I've never looked up like what his story is. Like, you know how you hear about how Jose Altuve like got cut and then showed up again? I've never looked up to Reyes's because I want to imagine that it was something like Altuve's because he's just such a little guy. Like, he showed up and no one wanted him, or like he was just like hitting rocks with a stick somewhere and now he's playing for the Yankees. But it'll probably just be like, oh no, he grew up in like Southern California, went to a normal high school, just kind of like stuck through the minors. And here he is. Yeah, maybe that's why we haven't heard the Torreya story, or it's because he's a bench player and uh, he's not hitting 500 in the month of July like like Altuve was. Um, this is true. The uh, I saw something interesting. Uh, the Monday game versus Detroit was the highest rated game the Yes Network has had in three years. Um, it the the whole trade, the whole Sunny Gray trade, that what Cashman did over the last few weeks to put this team back into contention has everyone pumped up and you'd think the team would also feel the effects of that i know the stadium was was fired up uh, there's no one at the stadium now because it was a four-hour rain delay and who the hell is going to stick around through that but i feel like with sunny gray starting on thursday and even garcia starting on friday it should give this team a little bit more energy yeah i mean you, you hope so you hope it's a shot in the arm and it might be, it might not be. If one of them comes out and just and stinks, or you know something doesn't go good for Gray tomorrow, 
uh, you know, you worry how all these people who are kind of just hopping on the bandwagon, or not even hopping on the bandwagon, but haven't been there the past couple of years at a billion games like guys like me and you have, um, that you see, you see them jumping off and like complaining online, and you're just like, well, like fuck you, you've been here for you know like three days. Um, <laughs> the farewell. Just fans. wait, it'll it'll figure itself out. Um, so you know, yeah, the the stadium is rocking. Hopefully, it keeps rocking because it, it, we both know it's much more fun when the team's good. I can't believe we didn't get a walk off with Scott not here. Dude, dude, you and I have watched enough uh, starts by Luis Sessa and Caleb Smith to earn a couple starts by by Sonny Gray before people start jumping all over him. Yeah, uh, like again, like early in the season, like it was like, oh yeah, Sessa, give him a shot, da da da. But it's like, all right, the funny games are over. This is real. Let's bring in guys who can really get the job done. And you know, Tanaka turning right pitched well today. Um, Wasn't know, looking pretty after that first inning. Yeah. What? Well, that was. You know, you try to start it off with a triple play to get the excitement going for a day game. It just didn't work out for him. So I have a theory on Tanaka, and, and Scott uh, totally disagrees with me. But I think he's he's still dealing with the injury, and we're watching a pitcher that is is partially injured. And sometimes he'll go out there and he'll look great, like he did in his last start when he struck out fourteen guys. Other times he'll go out and get shelled. I know he didn't get shelled today, but he's up. He's been so up and down. And uh, similar to like what we watch with David Price when Price dominated the Yankees a few weeks ago, and now he's on the DL. So I just I, I don't know what's wrong with Tanaka. I've I've gone through so many different scenarios in my head. I've just landed back on he might be injured. I mean, I think I think whether or not it's physical, I think there is a mental thing to it, um, where like he's not getting on top of the ball enough at times because of that, um, because you know he doesn't want to push it, but. I thought all along, like, hey, if he could just hold it together, like, if he had the season this year that he had last year, he would, he'd opt out, and he'd get more money, and I have a feeling that he was trying to get to that point, too. Right. He, he was trying to be too perfect, and he looked like he was going to be after that spring training that he had. Uh, the rotation, yeah. obviously, now has six starters that are all major league caliber. Uh, Girardi has not said they are going, or he has not said they're not going to six-man rotation. It's kind of ambiguous at this point. I don't think they're going to because I think that just creates more problems at this point in the season. Moving to a six-man rotation on August 3rd or August 2nd I think is a little difficult. That seems like something you have to do in spring training to make it work right. No, you can't go to you can't go to six because you didn't go out and trade for Sonny Gray to pitch every six days. You went out and trade for him to pitch every five days. And... You know, you did that to a certain extent with Garcia too, even though you know he's not as as you know good. Um, and it's just time to like for everyone to a certain extent to nut up. Like Tanaka tends to pitch better when he gets an extra day. Like, sorry, dude, we don't have that extra day right now. It's time to time to go out there and pitch. Like CC, you're the old vet. Even if you're just getting us five innings, occasionally six innings. Got to go out there every five days and get us that that time. And then it comes down to, like, you know, Girardi has to look at it and say, Jordan Montgomery, you've pitched well for us this year, but you're the rookie. You have a hard time getting through the order a second and third time sometimes. We just got to go a different direction. And for right now, like, we're going to try to keep you loose out there in case a guy goes down. But right now this is about the team. And because Girardi's – got to be coaching for his job because if they don't make a deep run here when they've got like this close it's because he couldn't get them to take that next next step and you've got basically a new team so why not bring in a new manager to like let him kind of own these guys careers the same way that Tory came in at about the time that the core four was coming let him have those guys make them his that's interesting that you bring that up because I think if you had thought about what Girardi got this team to at the All-Star break, everyone was happy even though they were they were kind of failing at the end of the first half. But Girardi got them to a spot where they were contending and no one thought that was going to happen. And I think if you ask people then, his job was clearly safe and they would re-sign him. But now you're saying, and I, I think I might agree with you, that there's now expectations on this team to win. Not necessarily win a World Series, but at least make the playoffs. If that doesn't happen... That looks bad on Girardi. Also, in the media, 
leading up to the all-star break and things like that like there's been a few times where girardi and cashman have given interviews the same day and said opposite things that's something i've noticed too yeah so girardi said you know i can only play with who they give me you know kind of you know things like that where clearly they're not 100 percent aligned and i think it's because everyone knows i think you know if the behind the music of this season were to come out at any point i think it's gonna be this was uh we're all adults we all know what we have to do and i think that's the speech that you give the last couple years i've complained a few times saying i don't think girardi's inspiring these guys or i I don't think this team is really inspired except to girardi to give them that you know that major league like what are we gonna do speech and um and now it's time to like hey you guys are all up here this is the big leagues. Let's go out there and do big league shit and pitch like big league pitchers. Montgomery, right now you're in the pen. Um, we might even send you down so that you continue to throw on a schedule. And like everyone else, like let's go. Step it up. No more blown saves. No more losing. We're 10 and 20 in one-run games. I'm surprised we didn't score a run just to lose another one-run game today. <laughs> uh, it's I mean, that goes back to the whole situational hitting, which um... – is just been atrocious, but this is Cashman's. This is Cashman's baby now. What what he's done with this team over the last year, and if he doesn't think Girardi's the man for the job, I think he's got a lot of say in what Steinbrenner does with the next managerial decision. Yeah, I mean, I think I had even said before this season, before like everything's turned out to work, and Cashman has just shown that he's amazing when given the opportunity. I wasn't sure that Cashman would even stay as GM regardless, but I didn't think he'd leave the organization. I could see them creating another role for him to go there. But now, to a certain extent, like, I like give him Randy Levine's job. Let him run everything. Because, like, then let him put another GM in place who's, like, his guy. Um, I could see that still happening even after this season. Like, him moving to more of a you know upstairs puppet master role than actually having to make all the phone calls. Yeah, I I, I could see something like that that happening as well. Um, what Bill Jackson was supposed to be? <laughs> oh God, um, a lot a lot of people just just muted the the podcast at, at that right there. But um, before before we get you out of here, I I wanted to I also saw something about the Red Sox today that I thought. Um, it's just hilarious. Mookie Betts said that the Red Sox are feeling the effects of the loss of David Ortiz and that it's really difficult for them uh, because that's a big loss for them. Yeah, 40 home runs. Like, I would love 40 more home runs. What does that say about uh, what does that say about David Ortiz? Because on, on the one hand, that's like a huge compliment that he can have that big of an impact on a team and a clubhouse. But at the same time, that looks terrible on the organization, which was still picked to win the division and go too deep in the playoffs, and they're just not performing. Yeah, I mean that's you know kind of giving your you're giving yourself like a backdoor out if things don't work out for you. You know, saying like, oh yeah. Well, you know, they lost to Ortiz. You look at that production. that, But, you know, not just the production. What he means in the clubhouse and things like that. Like, there's your excuse if you don't win the World Series. Um, but, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he was, like, the glue of that team, um, even though he's a huge hypocrite and I hate him. Um, but <laughs> he was the glue of that team. He inspired them, you know, throughout the years once he, you know, miraculously uh, in his late 20s learned how to be a phenomenal hitter and then hit 500 home runs from there. Um, totally randomly and clean. Uh, he really, you know, he ignited the team with excitement because he was, you know, kind of out of nowhere. And then the last couple seasons, you always knew it was like around the end. So let's rally around him. Um, so I can I can see that being a huge void, but also at the same time, like, yeah, we almost forty home runs. Like, <laughs> just play better. I mean, and you know, the Red Sox are in a. Uh, they're in a Yankee-esque situation. Like, they just released a guy who they're paying a ton of money to. They had Hanley Ramirez, who couldn't really play because he just couldn't really play, but he got a ton of money, but he can hit. So, you know, they've gone out. David Price isn't working, paying him a ton of money. And they traded a ton for Sale, but Sale's not getting the support that he needs. And Pedroia 
is almost as injured as David Wright all the time. So even though you have a couple highlight places, they're spending to be they sh- they should be ten games up right now. Oh God, at the yeah. minimum. With the way the Yankees played in in June and July, absolutely. I just picture like I can imagine in 2015 after Jeter retired, had like Mark Teixeira or somebody come out and said, you know, it's just really tough for us to to win when we don't have Derek Jeter around in the clubhouse. I mean, on the one hand, that would have been again a huge compliment to Jeter, but as a fan, I'd be like, shut up, shut up, and go play. You're expected to win regardless. Yeah, it's again, it's it's a backdoor out, and um. But, you know, no one's going to come down on them in the Boston media uh, for that because, like, everyone loves Ortiz. Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's a god in that town. Him and Tom Brady. Um, yeah. All right, JJ. Well, I appreciate you joining us. And we got, we got Sonny Gray on Thursday night against Cleveland. So that should hopefully rejuvenate the Yankees after this terrible series loss to a crappy Detroit team. Yeah. And uh, Andrew Miller just went on the DL. You never want to see a guy get injured, especially not a guy you like. But... It's good to know you're not going to face him. Now joining me on the podcast is the Bronx Pinstripe Show intern, Dom Musillo. Dom, what's up? What's going on, Andrew? Happy to be here. Making my debut. Yeah, I was going to say, Scott goes and has a baby and then you get to debut on the podcast. Pretty wild. Call up to the big leagues. Love to see it. That's right. (laughs) How's interning for the podcast been going? Oh, it's going really well. For those of you that follow the BP show Twitter, you should definitely get on that. I do most of the stats there, you know, doing some photoshops and then helping you guys produce the podcast, doing the voicemails, which were quite hilarious on the last show. So uh, it's been going well. Well, you just come right out there and just take all the credit for the Bronx Pinstripe show Twitter. I see how it's going. (laughs) Just the stats, just the stats, man. <laughs> Where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at it's your boy Dom, and the the cha is not a ya, it's like a cha, so C H A. Um, I don't have that many followers, so that's if you like you guys want to bump me up and shoot me a follow, that'd be much appreciated. <laughs> so uh, this seems like something you made uh, haste, a hasty decision on making this Twitter handle. It's like back in the day when like your IM messenger was like. Uh, awesome boy six nine six nine six nine or something like that. Right, yeah, yeah, four twenty six nine, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, go follow Dom at it's your boy Dom if you want some uh, some even more uh, hot takes from the Yankees. There you go. So, so what we're gonna do is Dom has found five different stats that are are pretty telling of a lot of different areas of what's going on with the Yankees right now. He's gonna present them, and we're kind of just gonna have a back and forth on on what he said. So why don't you lead us off? Perfect. So first, we have Sonny Gray, huge acquisition, arguably the biggest pitching acquisition since David Cohn. Um, currently, Gray has the second lowest ERA in the majors since June 25. He's got a 137. And Kershaw, who is now injured, actually has a .56. So he's been hot. And uh, I think we're all really looking forward to the start tomorrow. So what do you think we can uh, expect from him tomorrow night? Well, tomorrow night it's going to be if that that's a tough spot to be in going to the really Yankees. Tough. I mean, I guess at least it's not at Yankee Stadium. Maybe that takes a little pressure off of him, but he is facing the defending AL champions from last year. So, that's a pretty tough spot for a first start from Sonny Gray in a Yankee uniform. Definitely a tall order, but um if you remember back in 2015, he dealt and then actually the year before that in 2014, he pitched the final game of the season for the A's, tossed a complete game shutout. And the word on the street with Gray is that he's really a big game pitcher. So hopefully he, he shows that tomorrow night. I love that. And I, and I, it's funny that you mentioned the David Cohn thing because I actually just mentioned that with JJ in, in the previous section of this podcast. He definitely, Sonny Gray definitely is the biggest pitching acquisition the Yankees have made since 95. And what David Cohn did for the Yankees back then was he... He gave them a boost. He gave them playoff legitimacy because he's been there. He was that big game pitcher. Now, obviously, he had more experience than Sonny Gray has now pitching in big games. But that's something that, other than Sabathia on this staff, really nobody has. Definitely. I mean, he could he could be that guy. Obviously, in the 90s, you had Andy Pettit, who's arguably the, the best lefty postseason pitcher of all time um, with Cone. So that was pretty unreal. But, I mean, listen, if if this guy can step up, be good down the stretch here, and then if we're fortunate enough to make the playoffs 
and he deals again, I mean, that, hey, that's awesome. That's what you that's what you look for, and um, it already look uh, it already does look great for Brian Cashman. But I mean, that would that would really solidify things if he were at the centerpiece of a of a big run here. And as for his his stats since June 25th, it's showing that he's first of all healthy, which I think is one of the biggest concerns with Sonny Gray. He had um, those few injury problems that Scott and I mentioned on the previous podcast, uh, a couple of arm issues. So the fact that he's pitching so well, it proves that he's that he's healthy at least for now, which is good. And um, I mean, 1.37 since June 25th, that's no joke. He's, they, they're acquiring a hot pitcher right now. So, yep. I mean, I don't know if I've been as excited for a, a start of a new Yankee pitcher since, uh, since maybe they acquired uh, Sabathia back in 09. Definitely. 100% agree. Um, and then I don't know if you guys uh, have us on – well, if you're listening to the podcast, you have us on all social media platforms. But the quote that David Ortiz said – you know, he's like a 5'10 guy, skinny, wasn't really expecting much out of him. Ortiz is sizing him up. I'm going to take him deep here. And then, you know, fastball, sinker, slider, curve, whap, whap, whap. You have no idea what this guy's going to throw. He drives me crazy. So that's a big comment coming out of Ortiz. Yeah, and what I did he call him? Did he call him the Apple sales guy or something like that? Yeah, he called him like the Apple sales nerd or something. Yeah. It's – it. I hated I hated the quote because if at for one split second I hated David Ortiz less and anytime that happens I, I get pissed off at myself. Yeah, that's that's really bad news considering the torture that he's inflicted upon us. All right, so so good start on this. What's our next stat? The next one is the runners in scoring position problem, and this has just been so bad. The Yanks leave three point six nine men in scoring position per game which is good for the fifth worst in baseball. It's been really bad of late. The past three games, not including tonight, they've left 4.33 guys in scoring position. Sunday in that loss to the Rays, which was frustrating, um, they went one for 11. Uh, Tuesday, last night, they went two for nine. And then, well, we're recording this on on Wednesday. But then, yeah, uh, last night, so I guess they went 0 for nine. So in the past two games, they are two for 18 with runners in scoring position. That's how you lose a series right there. That's how you lose a series to a terrible Detroit Tigers team. Right. On the one hand, um, the fact that they're, they get a lot of guys on base. They're one of the better offenses in the league as far as on base percentage goes. So the more times people are on base, the more opportunities you have for, to leave them on base and in scoring position. But what really pisses me off is the few situations where they have second and third or a guy on third and less than two outs, and they just cannot find a fly ball within them. It's so frustrating because that game on Sunday and on Tuesday, just a simple fly ball or a ground ball to the infield totally changes the outlooks of both of those games. Right, and whether it's DD or Judge up in those spots, you know, guys that have come up big, have good numbers with runners in scoring position, just can't get it done. I mean, it's pretty piss-poor timing if you ask me. But really what it boils down to is get, get them on, get them over, get them in. And if you're not doing that in a stretch run here, then you're going to run into problems and you're going to lose series to teams that are you know 15 games under 500 like the Tigers are. And as much as we love Clint Frazier and what he's done and obviously love Aaron Judge, both of those guys have been striking out a lot. Um, and the more you strike out, the less you put the ball in play, the fewer chances of things going well. Um, right. We're missing guys like Hicks and Castro. Both of those are contact guys. So the the depth in the offense just isn't what it was, say, um, in early June. Yep. Hopefully Hicks is on his way back. He actually start he started tonight uh, over in Scranton. He went one for three. Okay, and and I know Castro is still a long way away. That's what Girardi said. He's not even started running yet. They're waiting for him to be a hundred percent because he came back after the All Star break and and clearly wasn't a hundred percent. Reaggravated it. Yeah, that's a that's a big problem. I mean, it's not ideal to platoon Wade and and, and Torres at at second base. I'm still confident that the Yankees' offense is still one of their strengths. Um, it's in one of those slumps right now. But you'd, you'd figure now with this pitching staff that can bail them out of a few situations. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you only give up two runs tonight and you get shut out. I mean, Tanaka was really shaky in the first inning. When he, in the first inning, I was like, wow, this guy is really lucky he even got out of out of that without four on the board. Um, but you know, they buckled down and with this bullpen, you know, they, they really shorten games for you. And I, I have complete confidence in everybody back there. Um, the addition of Canley and Robertson is obviously huge. And then Batanza's tonight threw an immaculate inning. So 
looks like he's back on track after having some walking walking trouble and control issues. Yeah, too bad that couldn't fire the Yankees up to do a few things in the eighth and ninth inning. Yep, yep. All right, what do we have? Nine, bad. So, what do we have next? Judge is now. Well, he was below three hundred. I think he might he might be back under. He had a hit um, tonight, but I I I think he's like borderline three hundred now. Since the All Star break, he's ten for sixty five, which is a one fifty four clip, four homers, nine ribs, no doubles or triples. Guys on a twenty one game strikeout streak. Um, so what I wanted to do was kind of mirror the numbers of the strikeouts because he's already at one hundred thirty seven strikeouts, and in the first half. When he hit 329, he had 109 Ks and 301 at-bats. So 30, 36.2% of the time he was striking out. And now in the second half, in just 63 at-bats, he's got 27 Ks, which is 42.8. So, I mean, it's just really bad. And, and, and the slider, he's chasing. It's, and since the All-Star break, he's actually 0 for 14 with 10 Ks in at-bats ending in a slider. So that's really his kryptonite. Where did you pull that stat out of? So it was Jack Curry, but it's technically mine now because he got it when he was 0 for 13 with 9 Ks. (laughs) So I just added... Did you did you tweet tweet that out from uh, at BP Show, at Yankees Podcast? That's our new new stat. I can do that right now. That's all us. That's original. Maybe wait until we're done recording. I don't think Curry's going to get on that anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think he will. <laughs> 42.8% strikeout rate in the second half for Judge is creeping back up to that clip that he was striking out in the first half, or excuse me, in the second half of last year. Um, it's a problem. It's a problem because he's he's not, he's chasing, right? He, he looks, he used to just sit on those sliders in the dirt. He used to identify the pitch earlier. I don't know what... Whatever the reason is, and I don't think it's the home run derby, but for whatever the home, the reason is, he's not identifying the breaking balls as well as he was. Absolutely, 100% agree. He's chasing that slider down, and when guys were getting him out in the first half of the year, they were climbing the ladder, and that was the, the report. Because usually on a, on a big, tall guy like that, they like to go down and get the ball, but uh, most guys were having success with the fastball up. Now you're seeing him chasing the slider low, which is what he was doing, like you said, the second half of 2016. And for me, he's really just not being aggressive in fastball counts. I mean, lately he's watching really hittable pitches go by. And then on top of that, once he's in those 2-2, 1-2 counts, you know, he's very off balance. Like, I almost just want to say, like, sit back, you know, trust your hands. And uh, he's he's just slumping right now, but he'll run into a homer. He's 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 good for a homer pretty much like every third game, right? Like regardless. And then every time he hits a home run, I'm like, oh, that's the one that's going to get him back going, and it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, do, what does Girardi do? Do you think? Um, I know you wrote in here. Do you take him out of the three hole? Do you think that happens? Yeah, I think they have to take him out of the three hole because my thinking is if you're going to leave Gary in the four hole, then you can at least protect him. And I think the way Didi's been seeing the ball. He's he should be all right in the in, in in the three hole. Like I think he can definitely handle that. that. They just be better. They better be ready for a shitstorm because you know the media is going to eat that up. Oh what have you guys lost confidence confidence in Aaron Judge? Now he's out of the three hole. He's been in the three hole for months at this point. Oh my god, there's going to be like infinity articles about that if yeah. they drop him. And then Girardi's going to be like, it's not what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm still confident that Judge is going to turn it around, but he's he's unfortunately not the 330 hitter that we watched in the first half that's just not who he is right and i i know scott had said this in the past i mean the dude didn't even go into a slump the whole first half he was just like that's one of the better first halves you'll you'll ever see uh and then to top it off with the home run derby performance it was almost like it's like too good you know like he's got he's got to go into a slump at some point but i mean do you think he's he's like a 310 hitter because like i see him as more of like like a 285 guy honestly yeah he's i mean i don't know he's i don't i don't see a 300 hitter in him just because of the 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 amount of strikeouts over a long stretch he just doesn't put the ball in play enough to be uh over a 300 hitter he wasn't like you said. He wasn't. He was putting the ball in play, but none of his hits were really cheap in the first half. He was hitting laser beams all over the park. So right, yeah. Yep. When he puts the ball in play, it's it's usually a good thing. But I just don't think he makes enough contact to be over a three hundred hitter. And I don't really give a crap if he's a three hundred hitter because he's still going to be a power guy. But right now, he's a one fifty hitter since the All Star break. So can't have that. 
Yeah, no, definitely can't have that. So the next one I wanted to get to was Matt Holiday. Um, he couldn't hit water if he fell off of a boat right now. He just is not seeing the ball well. I don't know what is going on. Since the voodoo disease, as Scott likes to call it, he is 9 for 73, which is good for a 123 batting average with one double, one homer, and 22 Ks. It was I'm a big sorry. home run, though. I'm sorry. He's got, he's got two doubles. He's got two doubles. Yes, he's only had two extra base hits since that game-tying homer back on, I think it was July 14th or 15th. Right. It was against the Red Sox. Yep. Um, Holiday looks his age at this point, and I don't know if he's still feeling effects of that illness or what's going on, but he does not look like the same player pre-illness. Um, but what do they do at this point? You can't you, – your your alternative options are DHing a guy like Jacoby Ellsbury, and that's a joke. Yeah, that's, that that would be a joke, but, I mean, it's it's a viable option, I, I, I guess, at this point. I mean, how much longer do you let this ride out? Uh, Holiday seems like a guy that has very quickly earned Girardi's trust. Yeah, I mean, Girardi says, you know, he's too good for the way he's playing. And I, I, I completely agree. But, I mean, whatever illness he had, he is just not the same hitter at all. But uh, Holiday's getting a lot of the criticism. But there's a lot of guys who are slumping right now. So, and it's Judge, it's Holiday. The lack of that production in the middle of the, the batting order um, is really is really a problem, and it sucks because you're you're getting production out of guys like Chase Headley, which we're not used to. Yeah, um, on on Tuesday, I think Judge was hitting third, DD was hitting fourth. No, maybe Holiday was hitting fourth, but uh, I think DD was hitting fifth. The the three, four, five hitters were like a combined zero for thirteen on the night. Like that can't happen. Mm-hmm. That just can't happen. DD's been one of their better hitters, though. No, I, I absolutely. I mean, but everybody's you know bound to go. For, go at least an offer once or twice, you know. So, mm-hmm. but he's been getting it done. All right, let's get to this last last stat here. Yeah, Gardy, who is I guess the unwritten captain, the 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 unofficial leader of the team here. Uh he's riding a career best 14 game hit streak, which is the longest active streak in the majors. Um So first question, can he reach 56? Uh <laughs> It's going to be tough. Uh, no, no, I can't. <laughs> no, I think no we need shot. to make um, – we made a, a captain of New York t-shirt for Derek Jeter a few years ago. I think we just need to make a in quotes, the captain for for, for Brett Gardner. Yes, air quotes, the captain. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, sorry, I interrupted you. Where were you going with that? So it's actually interesting because his career first and second half splits um, show a drastic drop-off. Like in the second half, he's just – half the player that he was in in the first half and i think it it could be attributed to maybe his size and i think he just wears down as the season goes along but you're not seeing it now i mean he's having a great second half i mean to be on a 14 game hit streak i think he's hitting something like 320 with four homers over that span um he's got to keep up this play down the stretch and he's been a good table setter rocking a stash gotta love what you're seeing out of Gardner right now I, I do love what I'm seeing on a Gardner right now. He's, I mean, I want him in center field, Clint Frazier in left field, and Aaron Judge in right field until Aaron Hicks comes back. I want no part of Jacoby Ellsbury. We saw him boot a ball on Wednesday afternoon. It was just atrocious. Um, F- Gardner has become their spark plug, and it's clear that's what he is. He almost willed them to another um, another victory Tuesday night, right? Wasn't he on base as the winning run in the ninth inning? Um, Frazier just popped out, but Gardner's one of these streaky players that, um, I remember he hit, what was it? 11 home runs in May, uh, of this year. And then he went into a slump. He's hot again. He's probably going to slump again. Just got to ride this hot streak while he's going. Yeah. Like you got to hope this, this last, but I mean, to be on a 14 game hit streak and he's only a 262 hitter, I want to say right now. I mean like that, that kind of speaks volumes to how bad he was slumping before before that, that you know, speaks, and how streaky he is. That also speaks to a lot of one for fours. Right, yeah, literally. <laughs> um, all right, Dom, well, well, nice job. I think you've earned your a second shot on the Bronx Pinstripe Show somewhere in the future. That's great news. I'm glad I could fill in, and congratulations to Scott. Yes, hopefully um, 
He's back for the next episode. I'm sure he will be. If you guys want to submit mailbag questions for that episode, we do mailbags on Monday. So go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Call the voicemail line. Dom was talking about it at the beginning of the show. They were awesome with the sunny gray ones. We want more of them. 646-480-0342. And you can follow all of us on Twitter. My handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi. Dom's is at Itchaboy Dom. And obviously Scott's is at Scott Reinen. And follow the show at Yankees Podcast. Dom, thanks a lot. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.